So it turns out that Vladimir Putin won in a landslide. Well, who could have predicted that? Hello from our broadcast headquarters in Prague, and welcome to the Power Vertical Briefing, a weekly look ahead at stories we expect to make news this week. My name is Brian Whitmore, host of the Power Vertical Podcast here at RFERL, and joining me in the studio is RFERL's news editor, Steve Gutterman. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, Brian. So, a busy weekend. Um, that event the Kremlin insists on calling an election is finally over, and in a shocker, Vladimir Putin won what appears to be more than 75% of the vote amid a 67% turnout. So the regime got close to the 70-70 results they set as a goal. Big surprise there. Other than that, we had videos of ballot stuffing popping up all day, reports of people being pressured to go to the polls, and we had that heated debate between Alexei Navalny and Ksenia Sobchak, which may have been the most interesting and only spontaneous thing that happened all day. What was your big takeaway, Steve? Well, I guess uh, maybe maybe two. I mean, one one would be that that Putin's uh, here to stay at least for uh, for uh, you know a, a long time, and it's it's a bit unclear how long. Um, I mean, before the election, I, I predicted uh, turnout of sixty eight percent, and uh, with Putin getting sixty six percent, so I was almost right on on the turnout, but I, I underestimated the the result or the or the you know, to whatever degree it was um, pumped up, uh, the result for Putin. You know, I think that that seventy, you know, seventy six. It's I think it's up near seventy seventy seven now. Uh, that result kind of shows. Look, you know, uh, he is completely dominant. Um, that and that's the message that the Kremlin is getting yeah, across. Yeah, that number significant because it's actually high, the highest. If it's if this number stands at seventy six, seventy seven percent, it's going to be the highest amount any post Soviet Russian presidential candidate. Right, it's won. higher than Putin before, higher than Medvedev, you know, and higher his than Yeltsin was... in ninety one, even in which was exactly. still Soviet time, but it was actually the probably the the last free and fair election. But so that, I mean, I think, as you, I think, are suggesting, it's kind of conscious, like, I mean, there was excitement about Medvedev, look, it's a change, you know, so so I think the Kremlin sort of had to say, look, you know, no, this is right. know, Putin's... Putin, and Putin significantly in 2012 got less than Medvedev got in 2008. Right, exactly, was, exactly. Was actually, so, so, so... But that, so, um, you know, I think, uh, I mean, that's one thing. Uh, the other about Putin is his, his comments about the future, where he said... I, I, in my view, he he dismissed the idea that he would actually, you know, take time off again and then run in twenty thirty. He he, I, I think he dismissed that pretty pretty much pretty thoroughly. But on the other hand, he he definitely left the door open for some sort of constitutional change in the future at some point to allow him to stay on, you know, possibly in some other capacity by changing the system. Um, you know, he said, uh, "I have no plans to change the constitution." for now, basically. Right, which can mean anything. You know, so I think that's, I mean, I guess that's expected. You know, we don't know what he's going to do, but, uh, but, uh, but uh, I mean, it would have been possible for him to say something more specific and mm-hmm. suggest that he would, he would be sort of, you know, leaving power in 2024. Uh, so he didn't do that. I mean, the other, th- the other takeaway, I guess, I mean, not a huge one, but just uh, as you mentioned, the, the kind of debate between Navalny and Sub, and Subchak, um, you know, on a day where sort of everything is predictable and, uh, you know, you have this mix of, of what seemed to be apathy among many voters, according, you know, to our reporters mm-hmm. in the field. But uh, on the other hand, you know, this huge result for Putin, you know, the the, the Navalny and Sobchak debate uh, provided at least a glimpse of some sort of possible alternative future, you know, where you have 
kind of candidates or actually you know, debate people saying you know subtract saying look I'm, I'm trying to get these specific things done and and Navani saying look you know you're just part of the system uh, so you know I think it, it at least gave a glimpse of of, of some sort of more mm-hmm. more real politics going into the future at some point yeah no I think I mean I I, I argue this morning on the on the on, on the daily vertical and the journalist Arkady Ostrovsky the author of inventing Russia made the argument last night on on, on, on Navalny's YouTube channel incidentally that this this is actually the most important debate going on in Russia right now. Um, this is a debate about do you affect change by working within the system, as Subcheck seems to be suggesting, or do you did you affect change by by undermining the system from without, as Navalny seems to be suggesting? That's a debate about the future, and that's a debate we're going to keep coming back to. So I think that was actually one of the most interesting things we saw all day, and I thought it was really telling that that debate was happening just as the polls were about to close, and it wasn't it yeah. wasn't like the the result people were anticipating. It was this debate between Navalny and Subcheck who had been who had been sniping at each other all day, and indeed throughout the other the, the, the campaign. My my a couple other takeaways, and they kind of overlap with yours a bit. I mean, I, I wrote yesterday on the blog about that this is effectively Putin's Brezhnev moment, and I compared the election to the 26th Party Congress in 1981, where you had all the pomp and circumstances and facade of a regime that looked solidly in power, but below the facade, there was there were there were cracks. Right. Uh, most notably that Brezhnev's speech couldn't even be televised because he was too sick to appear in front of the cameras. Um, and less than two years after that, he was gone. Now, nobody's suggesting that Putin's going to be going away. His health is is apparently fine, but and you you wrote about this, and I've wrote it, written about it on, on the blog. We discussed it on the podcast last week. Putin has a choice to make right now, and he skirted that choice yesterday in his remarks. Yeah, um, he has a choice to make. He can make a dramatic gesture that says, "I am not going anywhere, so don't get any bright ideas. I am not a lame duck." Or as Mark Galliotti would put it, I'm not even a lame two-headed eagle with long talons. Um, he he can make a dramatic gesture. And if he does that, though, he risks Brezhnevizing the system of it slipping into stagnation. Right. If people believe he's going to be there forever and he's still 65 and has has some time left. That's one risk. The other risk of Putin's choice is if he doesn't do this, if he continues to dither, right. people are going to start looking at him like a lame duck. And then you're going to have the clan warfare start start breaking out. And this you alluded to this in your in your piece uh, last week. Yeah, and I think I think that he I think that sort of the result and combined with his comments uh, is 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 somewhat calculated. You know, on the one hand, you have this 77 percent or 76 percent that kind of a Central Asian result, that, right? Um, so that says he's here. Don't don't mess. And on the other hand, as you say, he's he's not he's not committing uh, for now. You know, he's he's definitely trying to say, look, I'm I'm not I'm you know I'm not a lame duck um, by by saying he's he's not doesn't intend to change the constitution for now. I think that's a signal. You know, I haven't decided yet, and I you know, any don't you don't 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 think you can replace me now. Um, and on the other hand, he gets a little levity in there by saying, what, you think I'm going to, you know, be here until I'm 100, you know, right. that's a joke. So he, he kind of dismisses the idea that he, he'll be a doddering ruler, but at the same time tells, you know, rivals, people who would want to replace him that, you know, 
No, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. Well, and the, the, the changing the Constitution thing is also a bit of a chimera. I mean, like, he, he doesn't have to change the Constitution to stay in power. Yeah, if, if he wants to, like, abolish term limits and pull a Xi Jinping, you know, in China, th- th- then he has to change the Constitution. Right. But he could stay in power without changing the Constitution. You can create a, you can, cre- you can, there's all sorts of things short of, of changing the Constitution where he could remain the power in Russia. It could be kind of a Deng Xiaoping-like solution. Right. You could create a... an empowered national security advisor that has control over the total control over the Silviki. This is how Deng Xiaoping did it as as head of the army. So there's different ways you can do this. The Bus Soviet exists. The state council exists. So they just make that becomes a de facto ruling body. No, I I agree. But uh, but on the other hand, I would I mean, there is a difference, I think, between, you know, actually changing without without extent, without uh, getting rid of term limits, but actually a difference between changing uh, the structure of power according to the Constitution, mm-hmm. which is very specific, obviously, right. and and you know, uh, becoming the head of of a, a of an institution that that is pumped up in an unofficial or official, but not constitutional, constitutional way. way. I think that that's a, there's a little more vulnerability there, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, uh, it's less of a less of a risk for his legitimacy. So. But as, but I think you're. I mean, you're absolutely right. He he has like options about. He has a lot of yeah, and they're going to be. I think they're 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 going to be hashing this out, and I think we're going to begin to see the contours of where this is going around the time of the 2020 Duma elections, which is going to be the kickoff for the next period. But what my my biggest takeaway is that this is kind of the end of an era, though. This era of kind of managed democracy in this form. I think is over and we're moving into something else as Putin moves into his fourth term and the the conversation about what Russia's power structures are going to look like going forward is beginning and we're moving into something new and that's again going back to the 26th party congress they didn't know it at the time but that was pretty much the last time that would be existing in that form. Right. The 27th Party Congress was already Gorbachev, Perestroika, a whole new ballgame. So I think I think yeah. this is, I, in, in this way, I would I would compare it to that in that sense. And on that note, and I've always said, the most interesting thing about the so-called election is not what happens on election day, but what happens after the election. We're just now entering that period, so it should get pretty exciting. On that note, I'll wrap it up. That's all we have time for today. My name is Brian Whitmore, host of the Power Vertical Podcast, and joining me here in the studio has been RFURL's news editor. Steve Gutterman. Join us again next week. And now, as always, I leave you with the soothing sounds of Noise MC.